Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm Aaron McKee. Aaron, it's great to have you here. It's it's great to be on. Thank you for having me. I've invited you as our local expert somnologist. Oh, yes. A somnologist. <laughs> expert. <laughs> you must know what that means. Then, right? uh, you know what? How about you enlighten the audience who haven't heard of somnology? Good way to put it. It means somebody who studies sleep. Well, you know, I, I do sleep a lot, so oh. um, that, that might make me an expert to some degree. That's, that's good. Yeah. We've been doing the Bible seminars together, so mm-hmm. I thought it'd be great to have you here and to talk about the subject of death being described as sleep mm-hmm. in the Bible. You've done some delving into a little study on this uh, subject, and it's I think it's going to be important because we've we've had a lot of podcasts on the resurrection and specifically the resurrection of the dead, mm-hmm. I think it's very important to understand what what death is, what it means, what we're being saved from. So oh, it's very interesting how many times in Scripture it comes out that death is like sleep or it's like a resurrection is like being awoken from sleep. Mm. And so many cultures are, you have all these different ideas about what happens in the afterlife and death. But the Scriptures, oh, yeah. I think, are very clear and and plain. So we really want to see what God's word really says about this subject. Oh, absolutely. And it's you're absolutely right. It's a huge age old timeless question mm. that people ask. And the Bible's not silent on it. There is a lot of language surrounding de- the death state and how that relates to being asleep and awake. And it, it reminds me of Psalm 3 verse 5. Oh, okay. Psalm 3, verse 5 reads, I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. And I kind of chose this verse to be the anchor verse for talking about that terminology that's throughout the rest of the Bible, because God has a, a way in Scripture of ingraining His symbolism and His plan for us in the smallest of things that we see around us every day. Christ says, I'm the true vine. Mm -hmm. You have this vine that's symbolic of the whole being of who Christ is and how we relate to him. You have the sun that moves across the sky, a symbol of our mercies renewed every morning. Yeah, that's a great one. And you have this talk of being asleep and being awake, something so simple and commonplace as something that we do every single day. I know Mm -hmm. I certainly do so many times a day. And it's the symbol of death and resurrection and the plan that God ultimately has for us. Yeah, it's like a lesson every day when we wake up in the morning, that we wake up and our eyes open and we praise God for for life again, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, that night just seemed to pass so quickly. And it's a good place to start because if we turn over a couple Psalms, in Psalm 13, verse 3, it says there, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And the Psalms does this quite frequently, but this idea of I sleep the sleep of death. So there's an association between this thing that you're talking about, this this thing we do every day, sleep, but it's associated here with with death. Mm. And so you kind of ask yourself, why would why would sleep be associated with death? And then just another few psalms over in Psalm 17, verse 15, we get the opposite. 
He says, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness when I awake. I shall be satisfied with your mm-hmm. likeness. So he's comparing himself against the wicked who will yep. will never rise. But he's saying, there's going to be a time when I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. When you think about what he's talking about there, he's not just talking about every day kind of waking up in the morning. Mm. Seems to be something very, very special. That, again, waking yep. out of that sleep of death, Oh yeah, as it were. So sleep is something that is unconscious. Like we go to sleep and... Time just... I sleep like passes. a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, don't know where the time went. You sleep like a baby, you cry every night? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people say, I don't know. <laughs> right. But that's the idea is that yeah. when when you die, it's, mm-hmm. it's a state of unconsciousness. There's no thought. There's nothing there. And the next moment, you know, it's morning and you awake. And so that's what death is going to be be like. Now, another example of this, and this is in the mm. Old Testament too, right? So, mm-hmm. the Old Testament didn't have a word for resurrection, but they do have mm-hmm. this thought of sleeping and awakening, which is the very terms for uh, resurrection in the Old Testament. So, another great one is Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. The prophecy of Daniel here at the very end, uh, speaking about the, the last times, and it, it says in Daniel 12 and verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So this is actually a verse that Jesus picks up in John 5 when he talks about the resurrection. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. But there's that language in the Old Testament about many who sleep in in the dust shall awake some to everlasting life and then mm-hmm. some to everlasting contempt. So there's going to be a judgment at that time. Well, perfect example of what we're talking about here in Scripture. Oh, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, that same language that you've been describing there of being asleep in the dust of the earth, awaking up again, it's echoed, like you said, throughout the entirety of Scripture. We look at it, see the same thing in Ephesians 5. Verse 14. And it reminded me in Psalm 17, verse 15, it says, I'll wake to your likeness. Mm. And it kind of begs the question, whose likeness is it? Is it God's likeness? And I think we get a little bit of our answer here. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So here we get this glimpse, and it's like unraveling a little bit of the puzzle around this terminology here, but we're seeing that Christ is integrally involved with this aspect of the resurrection from the dead. Mm. It's his presence, it's his likeness that we're seeing, that it's written about in the Psalms, that Christ will shine upon you. And no better connection do we really see where Christ's involvement is in the resurrection of the dead than in the account of John 11. And in John 11, we read from verses 11 to 14, this account, Christ's friend Lazarus, who's fallen asleep. And it reads in verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him. This is the words of Christ as he's discussing this with his disciples. Then we read verse 12, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, surely he'll recover. And then we, so we see this degree of misunderstanding that was between the terminology here, because it can be 
a bit confusing when you're talking about that. And then Mm -hmm. we have in verse 13, it's followed up by the author saying, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he had meant his sleep. But then it says in verse 14, Jesus told them plainly that Lazarus had died. So you see this, this dialogue that Jesus is using that same terminology around describing Lazarus's state as one that was asleep. And the key word though there, and the one that really resounds with us when we talk about this role of Christ centered around death and resurrection is right in verse 11 when he says, but I go to wake him. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was his intention. Yeah. And that's what Christ's role is in relation to this death and resurrection. You know, it's almost like a bit of an alarm alarm clock, if you think about it, <laughs> waking you up in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. how you can think of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, mm-hmm. because then he goes to the tomb where Lazarus is, and he calls out to Lazarus, come forth. And, yep. and he, he's raised from the dead, and he comes forth. He's he's awoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm I'm still not done with the Old Testament. I'd like to go back to an let's, Old Testament verse. Let's stay there. One of my uh, favorite ones is in Job 14. So you might hear, like, some people say, well, the, the resurrection is not mentioned in the Old Testament. You know, these scholars say this. But, yeah, the word resurrection is not used. But it is definitely there in these thoughts. And mm-hmm. Job 14 is a perfect example of this. Even, in fact, in Job, some people think it's very, like, this is the end of the line, Job says, and everything. But if you read Job 14... Yep. With this idea of, of resurrection, I, there's no doubt to me because he starts like in verse 7 where he says, there's hope for a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again yep. and its shoots will not cease. Though its roots grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. Not, he's not talking about trees here. He's talking about somebody who dies. Yep. He's saying there is hope of that tree that is going to shoot forth again just at the scent of water. Yep. And so we've seen this kind of pattern in Scripture that is really talking about the aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ coming back and giving life again. And then he says in verse 10, But a man dies and is laid low. Man breathes his last. And where is he? As waters fail from a lake and a river wastes away and dries up, so a man lies down and rises not again. Till the heavens are no more, he will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. Mm. So there it is again, that language of sleep about death being like sleep. And he puts some sort of finality on it here, right? Oh, he definitely is. He will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. Mm -hmm. But you just got to keep reading. It says in verse 14, if a man dies, shall he live again? That's the it's almost, almost rhetorical a little bit. I think yeah. it is, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the real question, isn't it? So mm-hmm. what's the answer? He doesn't really answer it straight away, oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's got to be, yes, he will live again. I mean, he's already talked about the tree sprouting mm-hmm. forth, right? He continues and says, all the days of my service, I would wait till my renewal should come. You would call and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands. Love that verse. Oh, yeah. So there's that calling again, like you were talking about, like when Jesus called out to Lazarus and woke him mm. from the dead. That's Job's hope, mm. is that yep. he would be awoken from this sleep, that there would be this call that would go mm. out, that he would hear. And the amazing thing is that it, it is a theme etched throughout the Bible, and, and it's picked up and, like you said, perfectly embodied in what Christ does with Lazarus, calling out to him. It's, it's a beautiful picture. Right. There's another little piece of this, too. He says, he says, 
I'll wait till my renewal should come. In the King James, it actually says, I will wait till my change should come. Mm. A change to what? You know, <laughs> he's talking about a, a change of something, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Paul really, he kind of fills this out a little bit more in that great resurrection chapter in, in 1 Corinthians 15. So just keep that in mind because I think Paul talks about that, you know, the change that would come about this great call, right? So if we go to 1 Corinthians 15, it's also a, a chapter that uses this language of sleep and death. And really, you kind of have to start back in verse 1 Corinthians 15 and, and verse 15, because they had a problem in Corinth. Some were saying that there is no resurrection of the dead, which were, for Paul was terrible, because if there was no resurrection <laughs> of the dead... Then what what's, hope do we have? I mean, it's, what's it's, it all about? Yeah, what's yeah. it all about? And and so he says that. But really, what we're interested in here is in verse seventeen and eighteen. He says, "If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished." Now that's it's interesting, isn't it? So. If you don't have Christ raising from the dead first, then and everybody else has died. Mm. He doesn't yep. use that term, though. He says everybody else who has fallen asleep in Christ, if they don't have that hope, what are they? They're perished. Yep. It's a distinction. A distinction? And... Between fallen asleep and perished. Right. Yep. Right. And so, you know, if we don't have that hope of the resurrection, we're, we're perished. There's, mm. we're, we're just going to stay dead. Basically, that, that idea of perish means gone, annihilated, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, he continues on in this, in this chapter, and this is the one that we started off the podcast with in verses 51 to 52, because he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. You see, that that's the language that Job used, right? The, oh, the restoration or the change yeah. that he expected. And Paul says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So you're talking about the alarm clock? The alarm clock's like a a trumpet sound, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. It's just as jarring. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I hate my alarm clock, but I'm looking forward to this one. No, I I hear you. (laughs) I won't won't hit snooze on that. You know what this kind of made me think of? It resonated with me, this whole idea of, of being changed suddenly and in an instant. And it reminded me of a story embedded in scripture, and that's the disciples in the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay. And we recall in that story, the disciples are, are with Christ and they're going up, up the Mount. And they're with the man that they've known for, for so long. This is the Christ they've been on a ministry with for, for some years now. And so they get to the top, and as the events go, the disciples fall asleep, and you notice they're always sleeping, whether it's in Gethsemane, anyway, they're sleeping. Anyway, they well, fall. Well, this one surprises me, though. Mm. Why are they asleep? It's just, it doesn't seem, it seems it like. It doesn't fit like it would fit the narrative. Who would fall asleep during that time, yeah. Yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe they were tired. Who knows? The <laughs> events of the day could have been. Anyway, and it specifically says a deep sleep, which is interesting mm, to us, yeah. um, because I think that's a little insightful of what this death state is about. And anyways, it made me think of, of 1 Corinthians because you have this moment okay. where it says they they rise from their sleep to behold the glory of Christ. 
And of course mm. you have not only Christ there, but you have Moses and Elijah. Right. And, and it's this beautiful picture that's described here of, of this transition between being asleep and, and rising to see the glory of Christ in front of you. Now, that, that's interesting you bring that up. That happens more than once. There'll mm. be this vision, this glorious vision. I'm thinking of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. If, if you go back and you read that, mm. Daniel has this vision of the Son of Man, all in glory. Mm. And in that vision, he falls on his face as if he were dead. He's asleep. And then this hand comes and touches him. And he, he gets up on his knees, but he says he's very weak. And then the hand touches him again, and he's able to receive strength and then to stand up. Mm. And if you read that chapter and you start thinking, okay, it, it sounds like he's being resurrected from the dead in kind of a absolutely, yeah. you know, a, a, a way that's foreshadowing uh, mm. things to come. Almost to say, like, what you're seeing, you're going to mm. have to die and be raised again to be able to see it in in reality. And you can very much imagine, and especially when you're reading Daniel, the power of that moment. It, it would strike you to your core that this is everything that you've that you've hoped in, and now you it's before you, the glory right. of Christ. Right. You'd be awestruck. I mean, it, yeah. it's certainly a powerful imagery. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Jesus also he has he he talks about death as sleep quite often. And a good example of this is in Mark chapter 5 and in his healings and how he was able to raise people from the dead. It it just shows his whole outlook about death was completely different than ours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That when he looked at somebody, he could just see them as not as dead, as like, you know, it's totally hopeless or, or out of the picture to bring that person back to life. And the way he did that, he would talk about them as as being asleep. And this is uh, from Mark chapter 5 in verse 39, and it's the incident of the raising from the dead of Jairus' daughter. And Jairus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, had sent for Jesus because his daughter had died. And when Jesus came into the house, it says in verse 39, when he had entered, he said unto them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. So they had all these people, they're, they're just all, they're, they're crying as, as we do and mourning for yep. a, a dead 12-year-old girl. And he comes in, he says, why are you crying? She's just sleeping. Now, they, they knew she was dead. Mm. If, yep. if anything, you know, a 12-year-old girl, you're, you know that she's, she's dead. But Jesus comes in and says this. In verse 40, it says, and they laughed at him. Mm-hmm. So their, their mourning was turned to laughter at, at what he said. But he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those that were with him and went in where the child was, and taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithi kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Hmm. It's so powerful to just consider in that one moment the perception that Christ actually had on what it meant to be dead. Right. And and he says so many things, which when you really get into it, it reveals more about his perception of what death is to Christ. And we see some of that back in John 11, when we were considering Lazarus. Right. And right. the events concerning his death. Yeah. And he says something interesting in verse 26 to Martha. He says to her, 
everybody who lives and believes in me will never die. Now, he's, he says that right after saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Right, right. Yeah. And then he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And what struck me about this was that he spoke these words to a woman who had just buried her brother. Mm. So how could that be so? How do you how do you reconcile that statement with a man who did believe in Christ and had just died? Well, I think I think that the point that Christ is making here is that there is a distinction, and we've been kind of seeing little hints of it as we've been going along, whether it's the finality that Job initially described death as and then said he has a hope. It's that tree that that sprouts leaves again. It's that mm, hope. So yeah. Christ talks in that way throughout his uh, his ministry. But it's also you know we see this throughout the entirety of Scripture. We have instances in uh, Proverbs twelve verse twenty eight. Let, let's look over there. Oh, okay. So off of this John eleven twenty six, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You have a cross reference to Proverbs twelve verse twenty eight. Yeah, and we have a lot of similarity of, of a theme here. And that's in verse 28. It reads, In the path of the righteous there is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Hmm. Well, it's again, it's another one of those statements where you think, well, no death. How do we reconcile that statement? The righteous die all the time. Exactly. Yeah, there's the phrase, only the good die young, even. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about so, that. <laughs> I don't know about that. But how do we reconcile that with our present condition? And that's that's something that Christ addresses so often. It's something that I've, I've seen as well. And it's in John chapter 8 and verse 51, actually, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Hmm. That's just like that Proverbs one that you read. Right? Yeah, and you think to yourself, well, did Abraham die? <laughs> yeah, I and mean, that's that's what they, they, the Jews come back says, mm. now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. And so they looked at death as this finality around them. But Jesus, I think, I think you're right. What he's saying here is that and I've read it literally mm. in, in kind of from the, the Greek in, in some ways where it kind of literally says he will not forever be dead yep. in that sense, right? Yeah, and I think we glanced over it a little bit in 1 Corinthians when we were there, just on the point that, that you made that it said if Christ was not of the first fruits raised, then we would not be asleep, we would perish. We would perish. The distinction between yeah. the two. Yeah. So you have that finality and it makes you think of those words, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, thy victory. A grave that couldn't hold was not death to Christ. That right. was his perception on it. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. When a person dies, I mean, we might say, oh, they passed away or something like that. But that's not really biblical language. The mm. biblical language is, is that they fell asleep. Absolutely. And I, I love that way of putting it. If mm. you're a believer in Christ and somebody dies as a believer in Christ, well, they've, they've fallen asleep. And to be able to look at death just the same way that Jesus looks at death. There's a verse that's that's really special to me, and that's 1 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Whether we're awake or asleep, we might live in him. Ooh. And and that's that's a beautiful one because it touches on exactly what you're saying, that, that perspective of how we 
now have the ability to look at death and mm-hmm. understanding our place w- with Christ. And that implication and if looking through life in that lens and looking at life and death in that lens is, is just a powerful thing that God has given us. Mm. And so we see just in, in general that, that there's this clear distinction between death and what happens to those who die in Christ. It's this beautiful picture provided for us that, that God's recorded for those who followed after him in the example of his son as, as being of the living. And that makes me think in a lot of ways of this fundamental understanding that the God we serve is purely a God of the living and not the dead. That's what our Bibles tell yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So I guess if you want to look at this in a summary kind of a way, it's clear to see that we're supposed to come to see the state of death as a state of sleep and purely a state of sleep. One where just as we fall asleep every night, we talked about the, the symbolism of falling asleep every night and yeah. what sleep is like to us. That's the state of death. And much like we wake up in the morning, that's the experience of, of a resurrection. Yes. And we talk a lot about understanding this distinction between sleep and death in our lives and the power that we have with it. And, and I, I reflect on many of the examples that we have in scripture of people who had the ability in this life to look through that kind of a dark veil, that, that perspective that can be over our eyes, that death is a final thing. And they were able to see the glory that lies beyond. They, like, like the disciples ended up seeing on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I think of Paul, because he describes his life as, I've run the race, I've fought the good fight, before me lies a crown of everlasting life. He welcomed it in a way, mm-hmm. that sleep, because he knew yeah. it was on the other side. Yeah, yeah. It's a really beautiful thing. He was able to look with an assurance and peace that only comes through Christ and this understanding. And we can imagine that Daniel would have felt the same way as he spoke and saw the angel Michael in front of him. And he would have understood with absolute clarity that he was going to be asleep for what would feel like a short time. And he would arise to something that was glorious because he saw a glimpse of it. And we can see a glimpse of it in the scripture that we read. We have a little bit of a picture painted for us and it's something that God has blessed us with and given us. And it's, it's a really beautiful thing. Because, you know, we live in a world where so much fear in this life comes from death. Mm. And, and I think that the, the, the struggle is, is that this fear can cause us harm in many ways because being afraid of death makes you live for the moment. I think that's the tendency, Yeah, right? Yeah. It's, not, it's not too much of a stretch to say that. It makes you say kind of, why does this matter? And as Paul says of death, if that were the case... He would say, I would let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And so it's that exact sentiment that Paul expressed that's led so many away. But the power of this terminology and the power in the example of Christ that we have is that he refused to call death, death. He refused to fear it, in other words. Right. Because death can make us question to be mad at God. Its finality scares us. But what we see in our course of our discussion is that to God, the death of believers is not a final thing at all. The death of those who followed after the example of his son is not final. So why should we come to see this in that way in our own lives? If God has recorded us as asleep to be awakened at that moment, then why do we feel the finality the way we do? 
That's a great summary, Aaron. Yeah, thank you very much. I just really enjoyed this study. Thank kind you for having me. No, and, and listen to me here. talk for a while. That's <laughs> not, Rose doesn't often let me talk too often. So. <laughs> Your wife, Rose. That's right. <laughs> yeah. She's probably listening. That'll probably so get me in some out. trouble in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good note to end on. <laughs> All, right. Yeah. All right, take care. We'll see you around. All righty. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. The Essential Bible Studies podcast is recorded in Ancaster, Ontario, Canada, and is sponsored by the Book Road Christadelphian Ecclesia. If you're ever in the neighborhood, you must drop by for a visit. More info on our location, times, and webcast are at bookroadchristadelphians.ca. That's www.bookroadchristadelphians, all one word, dot ca. Our study of the Bible is more than just to gain knowledge. It's so that it might impact our lives, how we think, how we act, and how we love. Our prayer is that the time we spend together around God's Word might truly be a blessing to you. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen.